welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, and glad you're joining me today. And today we're going to talk about, well, how homesteading in small spaces has a lot of challenges. But, you know, things even get tougher when children's play equipment is battling for space in the backyard of an urban or suburban homestead. So on episode 105 here, we're going to talk about creative homesteading in small spaces with children. I'm going to answer a listener question and give my thoughts on how to creatively homestead around and with playground toys like trampolines, swing sets, and playhouses. So it'll be fun conversation and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, our homestead updates this week, man, lots of tomatoes, despite my poor pruning practices this year. I have not done a good job of pruning my tomato plants. I usually do a lot better. Uh, I've done pretty good. I mean, I've had to do the ones in the greenhouse because they've just been going crazy. But a lot of my plants, wow, I've just kind of let go and I haven't paid a lot of attention to them. And I'm still getting a lot of tomatoes off of them. I know a lot of folks don't prune their tomato plants, but I've always gotten way better production out of them and way less disease issue out of them when I prune them properly. And this year I just didn't. I've just been so busy. I just uh, I let them get away from me. But you know what? They're still giving me a lot of tomatoes, so I'm not complaining. Uh, we're still harvesting a lot of cucumbers. Surprisingly, I've been blown away by the cucumber production this year. It's unbelievable. I mean, at this point, we're just giving away as many as we can because I don't even I don't even have anything else to do with them. I mean, we're just we're just taking bagfuls to people. Um, beans, getting lots of uh, pole beans still, the green beans, uh, lots of peppers. Uh, man, I'm surprised by the peppers. I mean, I've been getting a lot of those this year too, and especially the banana peppers. We've been really loaded up with those, but it's one of my favorite foods, so I don't mind that. And uh, you know, getting quite a few other things as well. Still getting a, you know, still have greens going and um, and a lot of root vegetables going. So things are going really well. Still in the garden, and but we're still having some really hot weather, and um, uh, just it's been a good growing season. And a lot of my fall crops are getting up there and getting close to uh, to harvesting already. They grew so fast. I was planted them, you know, a couple, about three, four weeks ago, and and some of them are already, you know, three or four weeks away from from harvest, and and that's just kind of blowing me away. Things are going really well in the garden a little too well uh, in some senses and that's why i have a lot of pruning left to do uh trees bushes uh comfrey um you know just a lot of things are just completely just out of control of that hair so i gotta really get out there and get to doing some pruning there ain't no doubt about that i wanted to give you a little uh, update on the uh, sunflower living wall I, I i had told you a while back that i put up kind of a living wall between uh, my house my neighbor's house along the fence and um just as an experiment uh you know i want to put privacy fence up there eventually but this year i thought i'm just gonna stick some sunflowers up there so i planted oh, I, I put down about a hundred or so seeds i think maybe a little bit more than that and probably only about the birds just kind of Threw down took care of a lot of them but probably had about 60 or so come up and they got really tall i mean we got some like close to 14 feet sunflowers all the way down through there and it did really really well thickened up really nice but 
it's not the sunniest area, so they didn't last a long time. They started fading and drooping, and you know they're they're the mammoth sunflowers, so they get heavy on the top. They start laying down. They start laying across the fence and over to my neighbor's yard. And they started looking bad. A lot of the leaves started dying because they were kind of thick through there. And I thought, you know, it's time for them to come down because it just started looking kind of kind of bad. So. The wall is gone, <laughs> and uh, I miss it. I really do. Uh, it was nice having that little privacy screen right there, and uh, so I took them all down. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what's great about um, uh, sunflowers is the uh, you can turn them into mulch. I mean, you take those stalks, and I mean, it's like uh, trees almost. I mean, they're a couple inches in diameter at the base. You cut them down. I fed them through the mulcher, uh, the mulcher, and uh, made a huge pile of mulch. And I used it in the trails and. And I also just put a lot of it in the compost because it breaks down super quick when you mulch it up like that. And uh, so it makes a really good uh, uh, something to throw in the compost bin. And it turns to uh, turns to a good compost really fast. And I took all the sunflower heads. This is funny. You know, the birds had already started attacking them. And I thought, well, I'll stick all those in the greenhouse. And I'll let them dry out, and then I'll, I'll harvest the seeds. So I stuck all the green. It was the funniest thing. I stuck them all. I colored the back of the greenhouse, and I just laid them on the floor and all across the, the base. And I thought, this will work. You know, I'll let them dry out for, you know, a week or two, and then I'll get in here and harvest all these sunflower seeds. Well, uh, the birds actually went. I, I keep my greenhouse door open and the hatch open all summer, you know, because you've got to get some good airflow through there. And I, I have tomatoes in there growing all year, so I just leave the doors open. That way pollinators can go in and, and it doesn't get too hot in there. And those birds flew in the greenhouse to the back of the greenhouse and they mutilated those sunflower heads. I'm not going to get very many sunflowers. I ended up putting some of them in paper bags and stuff to try to save a few, but... Oh my goodness. I went in there. It was like the very next day. It's like they flew in and there is just piles of sunflower seed shells everywhere. And I mean, they drug them out and they would pat them all over. There's a deck in front of the greenhouse, had the seeds all over that. I was like, wow, um, they will find their food. And, uh, they did, but it was kind of funny. I wasn't too upset about it. Half of it probably would have went to bird feed anyway. So it doesn't really matter. I wouldn't have ate them all. That's a lot of sunflower heads. Um, but you know, uh, Got a lot of benefit from them. Uh, it wasn't everything I desired it to be. It took a. We really only got a couple good months of good privacy out of it because by the time they were tall enough and thick enough to start giving me good privacy, um, you know, a couple months later they start dying back and drooping over and doing their things where you have to take them down if you want them to look decent. So, eh, I call it a you know fifty fifty success. I mean, got a couple good months of privacy out of them where it looked nice, but in the end. Probably just need to put up a privacy fence there to uh, build some uh, privacy between my neighbor's yard and mine. Um, also wanted to give you a little update on the aquaponics tank. I haven't talked much about that recently. And here's the bottom line with the aquaponics tank. I think it has a ton of potential. I didn't utilize that potential this year. I didn't stock the tank full enough. I, all I did, I just wanted to get the thing going. So I put a few goldfish in it. I didn't I didn't stock it like it needs to be stocked. That, that's the thing about aquaponics. You're basically, in order to provide the nutrients for the plants that the plants need, you really have to kind of overstock the uh, tank with fish. And, and you know, you, you know, in a lot higher density than you would for normal living conditions for a fish, you'd want to overstock it because you want to those nutrients to kind of overpopulate and supply the bed uh, the grow beds. Well, I didn't do that. I just threw a few goldfish in there. I wanted to kind of get the system going. It, it the, the plants, I mean, initially they seemed to do pretty well. 
And then they started kind of just slowing down and a lot of them died and it's not going a little real fast and I've harvested very little out of it. And it's, I could have stocked it heavier and I needed to, I, I built it a little later in the season. So, you know, there was, it was kind of, eh, I just wanted to get it going, you know, and I didn't, I actually kind of knew, I, I kind of suspected that would happen, even though I didn't, um, just didn't kind of overcome it and fix it early on. I, I kind of expected that to be the case, but it was kind of an experiment. I wanted to see just how few of fish you could put in it and get it to work. The bottom line is it isn't working very well, but I expect it to next year because I'm going to stock it a lot heavier. I'm going to put game fish in there. Like I said, I just put goldfish in there. I just want to kind of get it going. I'll remove the goldfish. I'm going to throw them in my pond and uh, for you know later this fall. And uh, I will next spring, early spring, I'm going to stock it probably with some hardy bluegill or maybe catfish. I don't know, but I'm going to, I've looked at the numbers. I've ran the numbers on how many pounds of fish per square foot of grow bed and i need a lot more fish than i have in there so um i will be doing the proper amounts of fish next year and we will we'll rock this thing out and make it work better so i'll you know hopefully be able to uh, give more information and talk about the successes of the uh, aquaponics tank next year i'm not disappointed i just wanted to get one going see how it was working and i do see the potential but you know it's an experiment kind of i mean I was hoping it would do good, but at the same time, I kind of expected it not to do great. Uh, things are growing. They're just not growing great. Herbs, some of the herbs I put in there are doing okay. Uh, the tomatoes aren't. Uh, I put I put a few things in there, and that just didn't do good. But you know, like I said, the herbs, some of the herbs are doing pretty good. I mean, I'm still harvesting some herbs from it. So, uh, you know, I'll give it a 50-50 success, too. Maybe not even quite that. 40% success rate on the aquaponics this year. Uh, I expect a lot better next year. Um, let's just jump right into our main topic uh, for the show. Creative homesteading in small spaces with children. Now, I got this question in uh, from Jordan uh, um, a couple weeks ago, and I actually put it ahead of a couple other questions that I had in the queue. And the reason is, is because this is something that my wife and I have been talking about. We have grandchildren now. They're here a lot. I mean, we, we babysit them every day uh, while my kids work. Uh, two of my daughters, uh, I have a grandson and a granddaughter. Now they're young. They're My grandson's not even quite two yet. My granddaughter's not one yet. And you know, but we're starting to think about what are they going to play in this backyard? Many of you have watched my video about my backyard tour and you realize I don't have a lot of yard for, uh, for children to play in. Um, they can run around in the sidewalks and stuff and they love to go out there and pick berries. My grandson loves to go pick berries and things like that and munch on them. But the reality is we don't have a lot back there for them to do. And they're in the house a lot. Um, because we're so filled up with garden space. Well, I want to change that a little bit. I do want to make some space back there for them. And it's got me thinking about, uh, what can I do to still have garden space and have some places for the kids to play? So I'll read you Jordan's question and we'll, we'll talk about it. Jordan asks, I'm working on turning my one fifth acre lot just outside downtown Boise into an urban homestead. I've been gardening for the last three years with mixed results. This year has been my best thanks to proper planning. I'm getting chickens next spring for eggs and want to get rabbits for meat. Uh, thanks to your podcast, I wouldn't have even thought about that as an option. And Nigerian dwarf goats for milk and light packing on hunting trips with my sons. My problem and question comes in because this summer, my mother-in-law bought my kids a 12-foot trampoline, which takes up a lot of space in our yard. I was wondering if you had any ideas of multiple uses I could find for this space hog. 
I thought about putting chicken wire around the base to use it as a large chicken or rabbit tractor, but I'm not sure how practical that would be. If you have any ideas or suggestions, I would love to hear you talk about it on your podcast or maybe any other multiple-use scenarios for other children's play structures uh, that potential urban homesteaders might have to deal with on their journeys. Uh, thank you for your time and help. I love the podcast and everything you're doing to promote healthy and sufficient living. Well, thanks, Jordan. And um, I do have a few ideas because it's some things I've been thinking about. So uh, let's first talk about your trampoline. Now, if you're planning on your kids jumping on this trampoline, your idea for using it as a uh, chicken or rabbit tractor will not work unless you're going to let them out of the uh, rabbit tractor while they're jumping on it because i'll tell you and you don't have any like boxes down in there or anything you know down in there they can get into uh they could hurt your children because i don't know if you've watched your children i don't know how big your children are but if you're taking them on hunting trips or a little older um if you've watched them jump on that trampoline you get in and the older they get the worse this gets when they're jumping on it those things get pretty close to the ground in the middle i mean they go down a ways and um if there's stuff under that trampoline, you can hit it with the bottom of that trampoline as you're jumping. I mean, they can get some, they get quite a bit of flex. And the older they get, they get more flexible and they will, get, they will go down quite a ways. Two, you don't want anything under there while you're doing that. You can shock an animal, especially a rabbit. I mean, they're, they're not going to deal good, well with that. You're going to give them a heart attack probably. <laughs> they're just going to stress them out to no end. So no to that, unless that's all you're using it for. I mean, if you're, I've seen people build tractors out of them and that, but they're not using it as a trampoline at that point. If you want it to be a play toy and be useful, that's out. It really is. I just don't see that that's a very practical thing to do and use it as a trampoline. Like I said, you can absolutely use it for that if that's all you're going to use it for. But to me, there's more efficient things to build tractors out of than a trampoline in a small backyard if you're going to do that. So I wouldn't do that. Uh, so what can you do with it? No doubt they are a space hog. You're talking 12 feet you know, around in your backyard. You got a small backyard, one-fifth of an acre, which don't get me wrong. There's a lot you can do in a fifth of an acre. I, I have less than that. Uh, that I'm actually growing in. So I understand your challenge, but I also understand the possibilities of it. Let's think about the real problem here. Of course, it's taking up a lot of space, but it's shading a lot of space as well. So you really can't grow vegetables under it. But what can you grow under your trampoline? Well, one of the first thoughts I had when I read your question was, what grows well in shade that could be under that, that's low to the ground, that wouldn't be affected by jumping on the trampoline? And the first thing that came to my mind was mushrooms. Now you'd have to keep the ground really good and moist underneath the trampoline, but uh, I'm thinking you put some mulch or straw down. And you'll work the soil a little bit, get a lot of mulch or, or straw down, and either plant wine cap mushrooms or maybe some oyster mushrooms uh, if you can get the straw a little thicker down there, and keep them. They're going to be low to the ground. You're going to get a good harvest. That's something that's very useful. I don't know if you're a mushroom eater. I love them. And you got a space here that would be ideal for it, I think, if it's providing really good shade underneath that trampoline. Now, you might have sun coming in from one side of it, like the south side of it. So you might have to like, move the mushrooms more to the back side of it. But you think, well, that'd be hard to harvest. We could get a couple people and pick that up and move it forward, harvest your mushrooms, put it back over the top of the mushrooms. You're probably going to have to keep you know, a lot of water, um, you know, water up underneath that trampoline quite a bit, keep that ground moist. But I'm thinking... That's the first thing that comes to my mind is that it, it would be an ideal space for growing some mushrooms. Uh, and what made me think of that is I have a shady side of my house you know, because I'm limited on space that is ideal for mushrooms. So 
it's something I want to put some beds in actually and fill with some wood chips, like some like four inch beds, you know, just maybe put like four inches of wood chips down, inoculate them with uh, with some mushroom spore and get some uh, and some mushrooms growing over there. And I think your space might be ideal for that as well. Kids jumping on that, they're going to be so low to the ground that they're not going to get into the mushrooms when they're jumping. Um, it just seems like there's no downside to that i think that would work for you i don't know how well mushrooms grow in your area but it just sounds like it could be a good option and it could provide a lot of food for your homestead and make the best use of that 12 foot space now let's talk about i really can't think of any other great ideas for that other than just moving it you know and and and, or or having some kind of a fold-up system you know where you could maybe push it up against a fence or something sideways and pull it back down when the kids want to use it i don't know i mean there's just not a lot of uh great options for a big thing like that but i'm thinking mushroom growing sounds like a pretty good option um I mean, there's folks who wish they had some shade to grow some mushrooms in. So it could be something useful for you. Uh, let's just look at some other possibilities, some things I'm looking at for for even my grandchildren uh, and able, you know, be able to grow some things. Uh, putting in a swing set. We're going to put in a swing set. Those can take up a lot of space. So what am I going to do for growing some stuff? Well, I'm going to use the swing set as a trellis. If you've got a standard swing set where you got poles on four corners, um, it's ideal for uh, pulling, growing some pole beans. Now, I'd have to prune those pole beans back when they get to the top because they're going to want to walk across the beam across the top. They're going to want to crawl down the chains. So I'd want to keep them cut back. But still, there's an option there for a lot of uh, growing of pole beans up those poles on the four corners. I'll just box in some little boxes in the corners. I'll plant some pole beans in there, and I'll let them grow up along the corners and the kids will still have access to the swings and whatever's in between the slides and things like that i just have to do a little bit of pruning to keep things clean or you know to where i don't get into the equipment you could also uh box in the ends of that swing set with a lattice i mean you could just take lattice attach it cut it to the shape of the ends of the swing set lean it in however the swing set's designed and attach lattice to that and grow well, anything that binds. I mean, cucumbers, beans, peas. I mean, there's just a whole array of things you could grow up a trellis. I mean, you can grow melons if you wanted to. And you could fill in those ends of that swing set with, uh, with you know, and use it for a trellis for all kinds of vegetables. So that's something I will probably be doing right here on my homestead. Because I'm going to want to make the best use of that area. And it'll look neat. And, uh, you know, they went, I want to plant stuff, you know, if the kids get into it, they ain't really going to hurt anything. You know, it's not going to bother me for them to, uh, you know, pick some things or even if they damage the plants a little bit. So what? It's space that you wouldn't be using otherwise anyway. And if whatever you get from it, you get from it. That's kind of the way I feel about it. But I think a swing set could be absolutely used as a trellis. Now, I'm also looking at putting a little like playhouse in the backyard. And I was thinking, wow, that could be up a lot of space, you know, or maybe you'd having it on the end of the swing set, but you know, something that's fairly large for them to get in there and play, play house or whatever they want to do. You know, kids love to do their thing. And again, this could take up a lot of space. So I was thinking, well, what could I do uh, that would, you know, grow something, but yet also use it as a teaching tool for the kids you know i mean this could be their own little space their own little garden area they could i could actually plant the things on the trellis like some sugar snap peas things like that that they like to eat um that kids just love to munch on on the trellis because this could be their little place where they could have food growing they could eat some peas now i could on the on the little playhouse i could put in a window box on a window of a playhouse and we could grow some something really tasty and, and edible in that little window box you know something they like to eat um i thought about putting on a a, a living roof um now it, again if i'm going to build this 
somewhat sturdy or if i'm going to use one of them old plastic playhouses you could even use one of those and you could sturdy it up with some some four by fours in the corners or things like that and you could actually put some very shallow uh, boxes on the roof of this thing and build a living or they call a living roof or a green roof and you could grow herbs or, or you know some some edible flowers some purslane you know things like that uh, maybe even like some lettuces or, thing, or leafy greens or something like that on that living roof and you could utilize that for a lot of growing space now again you're not gonna grow a lot there but it'd be a fun little experiment it could even be something the kids can just pick at and munch on or it could absolutely just provide food for your homestead uh, it could be a great learning experience you could even let the kids plant it it could be their garden space so I, I think that would you know it could be a good teaching tool and it could be a great place to grow some food and just give them a little snack and give them a love for gardening you could make gardening really fun for your kids uh, by doing something like that so there's just a few things we're looking at uh, doing you know I think you're limited on what you can do with the trampoline absolutely I'm, if anybody has any ideas uh, come to uh, smalltownhomestead.com this is episode 105 so uh, smalltownhomestead.com slash 105 go down in the comments and leave some comments of some ideas you have for children's play toys like trampolines like you know playhouses swing sets whatever else sandboxes whatever that might be eating up a lot of space in a backyard and share your ideas. Uh, what might be uh, good for, um, uh, you know, utilizing children's play toys as children's play toys, but also uh, utilize them as part of your homestead. So if you have any great ideas for that, let us know about that. But those are just some quick, simple ideas I have for what I'm thinking about doing in my backyard and for what you might be able to do with your trampoline. So hope that helps. Hopes it gets your wheels turning in a few ways like that and maybe gives you a few ideas so uh congratulations by the way on getting that homestead going on one-fifth of an acre you know folks if you don't have a lot of land don't let that hold you back there is so much you can do with small spaces you just heard jordan uh, say all the things that they're doing on their little homestead with you know uh with <laughs> this garden and chickens and goats and i think that's great that your uh, your uh, place allows all those things in a small space and i think you're going to do great it sounds like you got some great plans there so i love hearing about all that a couple recommendations i will make for you there's a couple books there's one on uh green roofs if you maybe even have a shed or a garage or even a house part of a house that you want to maybe go in get into green roofs or living roofs um there's a book called small green roofs it's for for smaller space green roofs uh low-tech options for greener living uh it's got several authors lots of pictures i scrolled through this book it had like a little option where you could kind of look inside of it i'd never i don't own the book but i was looking at it, I thought boy there's some good ideas in there it tells you how to basically lay out a living roof especially on a small uh, area like a shed or, or a garage or something like that or a kid's playhouse so i thought man it'd be a good good book to maybe uh, get to uh so i'll probably get it but it's one i'll just go ahead and throw out there that you might want to check out um also a book on organic mushroom farming uh that i'll throw in the uh it's a great book i do have this one it's a really good book on growing mushrooms because uh, i've been looking a lot into that and growing mushrooms in my trails and setting up some beds just for mushroom hunting and even growing some mushrooms indoors because i love mushrooms so um you check out that book as well uh it, it's a really good one and i'll put that in the show notes also so links to those in the show notes this week on the homestead life segment where i share something that's better in my life because of homesteading and i thought i thought i'd just talk to you about our uh quail egg weekend family breakfast we seem to have every week here lately i don't know why it is but every weekend uh usually on saturday morning 
my kids show up uh, for breakfast. Uh, they come over. We got the grandkids here. We got my kids here. It's just a great time. And I don't usually cook the meals. My wife is a cook, so she does most of the cooking uh, through the week. And um, so I don't cook a lot. But I get up for this meal every week, and I cook the breakfast. And we have a big old batch of quail eggs as part of that breakfast. I make a lot of other stuff, too. We'll have some bacon and, you know, whatever. We just have a lot of stuff going on. But I'll make this big old batch of quail eggs every week, kind of catch up on my, my whole week supply of quail eggs. And, I mean, I will make a bunch of them. And it's really good. And my all my kids love quail eggs more than chicken eggs. They just love how rich they are. There's a lot more uh, yolk to white ratio in a quail egg. Uh, just really rich uh, taste to them. And I'll just make up this, whip up this really big batch, you know, of, of quail eggs. And, and they love them. And it's just become a thing here recently. And I don't know why, but they just show up and say, where's some quail eggs? So I'll whip up a big old batch of quail eggs and some other stuff. And we'll have a great breakfast. And I'll tell you a little trick. You know, I've got, we, we got our little homemade salsa we've been making lately. And, Man, I'm going to tell you, uh, me and my kids have all come to appreciate this. If you whip up a big old batch of scrambled quail eggs and you pour a little salsa over the top of that, kind of mix it in. Oh my gosh, that's a really good mixture. I just did it as an experiment one day. I'm going to pour a little salsa on this. And wow, now we're going through salsa like crazy because we're all using it on our eggs. So <laughs> it does taste really, really good. Some people are probably going, oh, that just sounds nasty. But I'm telling you, it's really good. Um, gives it a nice little spice and uh, it just that gives it an added flavor. Don't put too much on it, but just you know, a little bit to kind of mix in there and it's really good. So we all like it like that too. So that's just something that's better in my life because of homesteading. We love having the quail. We love having the quail eggs. And it makes for just a really fun gathering on the weekends to have that quail egg breakfast. So uh, that's just something that's better in my life because of homesteading. If you want to submit a question for the podcast, you can send your questions to ask at smalltownhomestead.com or call or text in your questions to our voicemail at 765-203-1949. Uh, you can spend as many questions as you want, as often as you like. I know I've been slowing down a little bit on pumping out the podcast. Um, I took a couple weeks, actually, and didn't put one out other than the interview show. And uh, I just wanted to take a little break. It's I've been kind of busy here lately, and it, I just uh, I felt like I was just taking on a little too much, too quick, and I had got real busy. And uh, so I slowed down a little bit and gave you guys a break from me for a few days. I've been pumping out a couple of weeks there for a few weeks, and uh it was just getting to be a little too much, and I wanted to take a little break. So we took a couple of weeks there and just kind of did some other stuff, did some family stuff, did some stuff around the homestead. And uh, we're going to get back in the swing of things here. But uh, still, want, I have a few questions I need to answer and uh, have another interview coming up. So we have a lot of great podcasts coming uh, to you. But uh, you can still submit those questions, and we may not get to them right away. But uh, if they're great questions, we'll get to them. Um, this podcast is made possible by those who join our Homestead Forum membership community. And you can learn more about the benefits of membership at thehomesteadforum.com. Or you can just go to the show notes or go to the website. And uh, there's all kinds of links to click on and go check that out. I really appreciate you folks who are in that and support this podcast. And, um, you know, you get a lot of extra stuff there. Uh, but, uh, you know, mostly what you're doing is you're enabling me to keep things up doing this, uh, keep the website going, keep the uh, podcast going and uh, things like that. So I really appreciate those who join the Homestead Forum membership community and are part of that. The show notes for this episode can be found at smalltownhomestead.com slash 105. Again, I really appreciate it. If you want to leave a review uh, for the podcast, I really appreciate that as well. You can leave that in iTunes or wherever, but I'm also collecting reviews on the website. So if you will go uh, to the podcast page at 
smalltownhomestead.com and scroll down to the bottom, you can leave a review there. So I'd like to start getting more reviews at the website um, because when people pop in there, I just want to have some uh, what's called social proof for them that this is a podcast worth listening to. And we get a lot of people that pop in at the page there to check out the podcast. So leave a review there if you'd like. Uh, just click on leave a review and uh, it'll pop you over to there and just scroll to the bottom and you can submit your review and collect a week. I like to collect a few reviews on the, the actual podcast page. So if you want to leave a review there, I'd really appreciate it uh, at the website. So go check that out. Um, thanks for joining me today, folks. I hope this gave you some uh, creative ideas uh, for homesteading in small spaces with children. And until the next episode, happy homesteading and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow. Tomorrow.